So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas you're listening to the six figure photography podcast with ben hartley where you get the positive energy you need to help you grow your business your relationships and your mindset if you need the show notes or want to check out the latest blog post visit sixfigurephotography.com Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Six Figure Photography Podcast. Thank you for listening. I'm so encouraged that you guys are here because the fact that you're listening to this means that you desire to grow your business. And then I'm and I'm ta- like I I'm going out on a limb here, and I'm also assuming that since you're you're setting aside time to dial into this, that you're actually putting in the work. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of photographers who say they want to grow their business, but you guys who are listening, I, I think that you're you're a step further. You're engaging in content and you're actively pursuing learning more to disrupt your patterns and and move things forward. And so thank you for that. I'm so encouraged by that. I can't wait to see this industry continue to grow. Uh, we're here on the Six Figure Photography Podcast. And um, uh, I'm just really excited about what we've got going on today because this is the conversation we're going to have today is something that I've I've got a, a man how do I a, a rich passion for it's like this is this is the conversation uh, that I love having over a cocktail when friends come over that when I'm ever out at a conference or a workshop just at the end of the night when everyone else is gone but there's always those two or three people who linger that we just like sit down and we start talking like strategy and 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 pricing and and just the, and these are some of the words that like some some of you guys are like your eyes have already glazed over um but for me like like pricing strategy is one that i that i really get excited to chat with it's something that is um it's it's really fun and it's super fun too when you start to implement it and it works and you're like oh my gosh i didn't think this was going to work and you start seeing things uh connect and so that's what's going to happen today I, and so listen i'm going to be introducing kim dawson and what i'd love i want to even set this kind of expectation for you guys. What you're going to hear is a genuine conversation between Kim and I. I almost, I wish I had some whiskey in hand and I wish it was midnight, but it's not. It's 1243 PM in Midwest Ohio and I got a coffee in my hand and that'll do too. But, uh, you know, this is just gonna be a conversation between two like pricing strategists kind of discussing and, 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 and I am hoping to learn from this. You guys, <laughs> please, please understand this. Like I, uh, host this podcast so that way I can learn all the things. <laughs> Just like you listen to the podcast to learn all the things, the reason that I do this is so that way I can learn. And I can't wait to hear what Kim has to share. I'm going to soak up every bit of her information and her knowledge and her experience that I can possibly gain. And so 
Um, you guys strap in on this. Like, like, uh, listen, if you if you're distracted, like I get it. If you're driving, you better just focus up on the road and, and you tune in. But this may be one that could be could be well worth. Like, um, maybe maybe you do set aside some time and you just sit down and you pl- plug in your headphones and you completely focus up. You grab a pen and a piece of paper and you start writing some notes on this. There's certain podcast episodes that it's really important for me to do this. And other times it's a little bit more passive. And I've got a feeling that today could be one that um, would would do you well uh, to really dial in on. All right, everyone, I got to take a quick break here uh, to let you guys know about something that is coming up. It's relatively urgent. It's coming up October 24th through the 26th, and I need you to pay attention because at the end of this, I've got a promo code that will get you free registration for it. Uh, Here's the deal. I go to a lot of conferences. I go to a lot of workshops, uh, all that kind of jazz. And it's important. It's so important because you've established a solid career, but these days, like it's tough. It's hard to actually shine out among the growing competition. You've got to keep evolving your game. What are you doing to stay up to the latest trends, technologies, techniques to continue to stay competitive? You guys, there's a thing I'm going to tell you about called Photo Plus. All right, you can get the full spectrum, the full picture at Photo Plus. It's a three-day photography and videography event that is going to expose you to uh, to everything you need to improve your business and then hone your craft. One of my favorite things about it is, yes, you've got all like the gear stuff, right? You, so you get to try it. You get to get your hands on the latest gear on all the manufacturers to connect these people, hear practical tips, tricks about how to use this equipment. But one of my favorite things is that uh, all these interactive sessions, all of the all of the education, the training, it is held by experts at, at the exhibitor booth, like directly in the booth. You don't have to register for classes and go to these different classes. You get to be in the same space as the exhibitors and learn right there. And the topics are vast. So they're going to cover everything from lighting, composition, design, uh, like image capture, retouching, storage, uh, my favorite thing, better promotion of yourself and your work. And this will set the scene to expand your industry network and connections with peers and other creative leaders. I know a lot of wedding photographers listen, but no matter what your specialty is, if you're a wedding photographer, if you're a portrait photographer, if you're a videographer, like you're going to gain access to a full spectrum of technical and tactical knowledge to put into action. I say this all the time on the podcast, but your competition continues to elevate. Take the time to invest into yourself, into your craft, and your business will thank you for it. All right? So this event, it's Photo Plus, okay? Photo Plus is going to be 2019, October 24th through the 26th. Photo Plus 2019, October 24th through the 26th at Javits Convention Center, New York, New York. All right, this is what you need to know. Pay attention. You need to go to this website, photoplusexpo.com, and then use the promo code, all capitals on this promo code, six figure, S-I-X, 
F I G U R E, six figures. Spell it that six, you guys. All right, so photo plus expo.com, P H O T O, expo, E X P O. I'm sorry, photo plus expo, P H O T O plus P L U S, expo, E X P O.com. Use the promo code six figure and you will get registration for free. It's a no brainer. I will see you guys there. If you're going to attend, do me a favor, DM me, shoot me a DM on Instagram and let me know that you're attending. You use this code to get the free access to it and i can't wait to see you guys there at that note let's get back to the show so let me share with you a little bit about kim kim dawson is the producer of the sassy strategist podcast she is a no-nonsense business strategist specializing in helping you uh the creative right the creative and professional service-based business owners, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs. She wants to help you connect your ambition with your desired results. So she focused on revenue generation. Uh, she focus, focuses on um, pricing, on sales, on niching down, on focusing up, on business development and growth. And Kim, she works with their clients to create more client businesses uh, that generate higher profits while maximizing their offerings, developing business full sales strategies and improving overall operations. Listen, she's got she's she's got her stuff together, right? Uh, she teaches clients how to make more money, right? While having more time to fulfill their life. Kim Dawson, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ben. I I'm really glad to be here. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I think we're going to have a great conversation and I know that the listeners are going to just learn a lot from our conversation and that's why I'm here today. So I'm really excited. Yeah. So okay, what brought you into this whole ecosystem of like, you know, the creative entrepreneur, the solopreneur? Uh like what brought you into that space where not only you were aware that we existed, <laughs> but but you had some firsthand experience. Like what was that process like for you? Wow, that that's a big question to start with, Ben. But I would say in short, I have always been a business entrepreneurial person ever since I was a little kid. I, I was always looking for ways to make money. My parents did not have a lot of money um, and they were both creative types. So my father is an artist, a painter, and my mother is a musician. So I came from this family of two creative parents who essentially had no money. So I, I figured out somewhere along the way that I am a combination of these things, that I love business. I love this opportunity and potential to really make as much money as you choose to make, because I think that's one of the things that's so special about being an entrepreneur is that you're not limiting yourself to the, you know, the traditional job where somebody else is going to say, okay, this is your job title. And this is how much you get to make every year. I hope you like it. You get to actually choose what you want to do and map out your business in a way that you can decide where you want your financial um, goals to be. And taking that and combining that with my natural creative side, I guess, I just put the two together and realized that creative professionals have so many amazing skills, skills that I necessarily couldn't have. You know, I'm not a painter and I'm not a musician, um, but I could see how much 
their skills are there, but many of them, in my experience, really struggle with the business side of things, with the money side of things, because all they want to do is create. At least I know that's what I saw with my parents. You know, I want to paint a painting. I don't want to have to worry about selling it or how much money I should charge for it or where I'm going to get my clients from. I just want to paint. Yeah, I get that. I bet a lot of listeners are like, yep, that's me. It's like you're a craftsman, right? More or less. It's like we are, we're craftsmen. We're incredibly good at what we do. We're, we're, we're talented. And then there's this kind of obligatory business component of things. And I, and I would say that, you know, there's probably a varied breadth of like, for some people, you know, the pricing and the strategy and the client experience is something that still gets them really jazzed, right? So they've got they've got the craftsman component and, they, and then they're really kind of, they nerd out with a little bit of the psychology and the, the strategy behind stuff. But maybe it's like the back end of the business. Maybe it's like the accounting and, and the taxes and all that stuff where they're just like, boom, nope, that's not me. And so I understand everyone's kind of on this spectrum of, of like craftsman to entrepreneurial spectrum. So wherever you kind of fall, my hope is that there's going to be something really juicy here for you. Kim, I am a fellow painter. Uh, so I am a classically trained uh, oil painter, like some real old school, old master shenanigans. Like, a, a, you know, so this is, <laughs> that was what I studied in college. And so I'm intrigued about what your dad painted. So he um, he does paint in oils and he paints in acrylics and he's you know tried different things over the years with those and watercolors he did that for a little while but he paints um, I wouldn't say full abstract but he creates pictures that are made from all different shapes and fragments of things and then creates this picture almost in a sense when you look at it at first you don't really know what it is and then after you look at it for a while you're, you you oh there's a staircase oh look there's a person at the top of the staircase but you don't see it right. Right away, but it's in there. So he he does that kind of work. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So w- let me ask you this: Was your dad able to uh, ever to able to successfully navigate that space where he was able to figure out a pricing structure, sales strategy to um, to to actually like you know generate revenue with his work in a meaningful way? Is that something that he was able to see? Um, I, I don't know, I, because I think that he definitely tried different things over the years. And I'm sure you wouldn't be surprised. A lot of parents don't listen to their children's advice. Um, <laughs> so even if I would give him advice, he might not necessarily take it. Um, I think, you know, some of the issues that I saw with him was he tended to be afraid of people taking his work. That was something mm. that he struggled with. So he would say, you know, if I if I gave him the advice of, okay, you need a website. And, you know, on this website, you got to put your artwork up and you need to start marketing the website and increase your SEO. And if I gave him any of that kind of advice, he would say, but what if somebody steals my work if I put it online? Or what if somebody does this? Or what if somebody prints it out and makes a copy? And I try to say, oh, they're not really going to do that. There are ways that you can, you know set up your website so that doesn't happen. So sometimes I found with him, he, he really struggled with this fear around people taking his work. Yeah. Or, or, or what if they did, you know, I think, cause I, I, I this is actually a really fascinating kind of conversation. Cause I think a lot of photographers, you know, yeah. th- they wrestle with this or, or, and some have even had it occur, right? Actually, you know, Kim, this has even occurred for us where we've had work start showing up on people's websites, you know, they're like representing our work on their site as, as you know, how great they are, you know, and, and, um, and so this is a fear with, you know, any, any sort of kind of, um, content creator with writing, with, um, with songs, with, yeah. And listen, anything that you're making and you're putting it online, And, um, and so what if they do, what do you think about that? What if they do take it? What do you do? 
I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like that almost goes into the legal aspect of things, which I, I don't know enough about. I'm not a lawyer, but um, I, I think it is tough. And I, and I see what you're saying, too, with photography. I, I do photography as a hobby, um, but I know that that's always something that I see a lot. You know, people will you see it all to people just take people's images and you think, well, why are you doing that? It's not your image. You don't have the copyright to that. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if it's putting trademark images, you know, uh, embedded into every photograph you put out there. I've, I've heard about software now that can actually trace your images that you put online. I'm, I'm not hundred percent positive of that, but I've heard about that before where if somebody copies your image or, or puts it on their site, you can actually trail it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know outside of that. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's, it's more of an anecdotal, you know, more than anything. I was just curious what your thoughts are of like, you know, cause I, cause there's no pretend like, you know, even with your dad, it's like, well, someone might do it. And then what? Well, you know, it's like, so what, what will happen next? And I guess there's definitely varying degrees. There's like, you know, varying degrees of the offense, right? So a photographer who's actually min, like, um, um, lying to people and using their, you know, your work to represent them is different than maybe, uh, let's say, a client who has uh, their mom has downloaded a picture that had a watermark on it, removed the watermark and, uh, and made a print of it. You know, I would suggest those are different things, or maybe she's downloaded the picture and then edited it differently um, than maybe how you would normally edit your work. And she's posted it on Facebook. Right. Yeah. yeah, So I also think people do that and they don't know about it either though. I think as as a, for consumers, I think sometimes when consumers get their photographs taken, they don't always know what the rules and restrictions are around how to use those photographs. Yeah. So some people can get their photos done thinking, oh, these are my photographs. I could do whatever I want with them. And they don't know that they're not supposed to take the watermark off or something like that. Yeah. 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 Well, it's sometimes it's nice to even pull this back from like a thousand feet up in the air. It's like, or, you know, I don't know what the phrase is, you know, but like to go really high level because consider the consequences of it. It's like, this is, so here's, here's what I'm maybe starting to talk about. It's like the difference between playing offense or defense. Cause you're, you know, it sounds like your dad and many photographers play defense and, and that leads to an action. It leads to, well, I can't put my work out there. I can't create a website. And, uh, and that's something that I have just no interest in playing. I'm far more interested in the offense yeah. of of the game. And like, yeah, let's go out there. And then some people are going to take my shit. And then and then I'll keep going. And yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like they won't win. Like winners are going to win and losers are going to lose. Like I'm just going to keep. I'm not going to let that you know set me back. And this is interesting because I I do think this ties into this notion of of this conversation that we're about to have really around pricing and strategy and. Um, the best ways to structure and because it involves change. It involves like taking this risk and, and considering a different way to have done things and, and, uh, and, and to, oh man, to mix it up, try something new. Uh, and that begins to get pretty scary for people. And, and it's easy to immediately want to go into defense and to curl, to pull back and to protect what's kind of worked uh, for a now. Um, yeah. And, and and uh, I think we I think we need to get out of that. We need to get uncomfortable, right? We need to get really uncomfortable. Yeah, and I know with with my father, one thing that I did see him do when you were asking about you know pricing and how he's done that, he started out just doing originals. And as you know, doing an original painting that takes you three weeks to paint, you need to sell that for a very good rate. You you can't just turn around and sell it for two hundred dollars if you spent three weeks on it. And he found that it, you know, it was great to have that, but you can't just have the originals. That 
when he started printing them and, and doing giclés and making um, limited editions and things, it opened him up to a whole other market where now he didn't have to worry about that one original anymore. Now he's got 500 printed copies of something that he could sell for a much more affordable rate. And then he would go to art shows and things like that, and then be able to bring in revenue. So it's even just being open to those kind of different ideas on how you sell your work. Yeah, absolutely. This is interesting. So I, 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 is it okay we keep going back to that as an oil painter as a little bit of a reference? Is that Are you comfortable with oh, that? Oh, yeah, that's it. That's fine. Because <laughs> I'm curious, you know, because this ties, I think, with even the different ways that photographers could go about pricing. And so I'd like to kind of begin to switch this conversation into this realm of of pricing, like the best way to price our services. And and I'm curious, and maybe, and feel free to pull back because maybe I've skipped ahead and that's totally fair, Kim. But I'm curious, you know, even for your dad, there's, I wonder what are the different ways that he approached kind of pricing his work and what parallels that we could find. Or maybe he didn't try pricing it one way, but you saw other opportunities of ways that he could have gone about pricing his oil paintings. And I'd love to pull some parallels here because these things are not unalike. I mean, they really aren't. Yeah. Um, sure, there's some different nuances to things, yes. Um, but by and large, there's a lot of crossover between these two. And, uh, and I'd love to just get further and closer and closer to kind of the best ways that that we can consider pricing uh, our own art. Yeah, that's a great question. And I could certainly answer this in relation to art, but I think I can even make it a little bit bigger into, you know, photographers and, and pretty much anybody else that's selling anything is your prices are really a factor of one, what your revenue goals are. And a lot of people don't stop to think about that, that you really need to decide how much money is it that you need or want to make each year. So why I say that that's important is because you could have somebody who is an artist type, an artist of any form, whether you're a photographer or a painter, and you might say, you know what, I, I live by myself, I'm happy in a studio apartment, you know, my rent is $1,000 a month. I don't need much to live. I just need good materials, a nice camera or, or whatever, and I'm happy. So you could have a person that has those goals, and that's very different than somebody who says, you know, I have a family, I have four children, I need a house to pay for, I have all of these expenses, I want to take them on vacations three times a year. That's going to require a lot more money. And so I think that before you even look at the pricing, you have to really know what your goals are. And the reason that that's so important is because if you map out your business in a way that you're pricing whatever it is that you're selling in order to, I'm just going to make up numbers for example, you say, well, I only want to make $50,000 a year. And then you price according to that. Those prices are not going to cut it if your goal is actually 200000 a year. Sure. Right. Sure. So that's the first step. But then going a little bit deeper into this of, well, how do I know what prices to charge? It's really a matter of who are you selling to and what are they looking for and can you provide it and what are they willing to pay? So I, I like to give this example. If you were to say, buy a new pair of shoes. Let's say you want to go out and you need a new pair of shoes. You could go to a store like Target and you can buy a pair of shoes for $25. 
you could go to a store like DSW um, and, and you could buy a, a pair of shoes for $50 or $60. Or you can go to a Nordstrom or a Neiman Marcus and buy a pair of shoes for $300. This is why I probably don't know what Nemus Nemus Marcus is. Uh, <laughs> right, right, I know a three hundred dollar pair of shoes. And what, <laughs> and what the point is is that there are people who buy three hundred dollar pair of shoes, and there are people who would who buy twenty five dollar pair of shoes, and you have three different markets in there. Where business owners struggle is when they tell themselves. I am making a $25 pair of shoes, but I'm going to try to sell it in the store where they sell $300 shoes because nobody's going to buy them in there. And the reverse is true. If you try to sell a $300 pair of shoes in a Target, no one's going to buy them. So when you come up with your prices, you have to really know, one, what are your revenue goals? And two, who is your market? Who is your shopper? And then you build your pricing around that. So if you decide, well, I want to create a photograph, I'm just going to use a very simple answer. Um, let's say you're a wedding photographer. Okay. And I believe, Ben, you're a wedding photographer, right? Woo woo. That's a yes. Let's say that you are a wedding photographer. You have to know, well, what kind of weddings what are my, who are my wedding clients? Now I have wedding clients because one of my specialties actually is the wedding and event industry. I have several clients in this industry. I have a wedding planning, um, design floral client who, when I first started working with them, they would charge their clients $6,000 to plan their weddings. They now are up to $55,000 per client. Yeah, I really said that. They went from six dollars to $55,000 a client in three years. And how they did that was they decided what type of weddings and who their wedding client was going to be. They no longer wanted to work with the clients whose budget for a wedding was $10,000. They wanted to go to the people who are spending $200,000 on a wedding. And so as a photographer, what you have to think about if you're a wedding photographer is you have to know, well, do I want to work on these 10, 20, $30,000 weddings, or do I want to work on a $50,000 wedding, or do I want to work on a hundred thousand plus dollar wedding? And then that's going to help also guide where your pricing is going to be. So very similar to the shoe example, who is your market? How important is niching down? within this conversation of identifying your market? Extremely important. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's niche, It's niching down. It's knowing who your market is, what their price points are, what type of a product you're going to sell them. And then that can really lead into your, into your pricing. So I'm curious what other factors play into this. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining I'm right now, I am, I am embodying the photographer right now. Who's I'm channeling them. They're listening to this podcast and they're two years in and they're charging, you know, $3,200 average and I'm channeling them right now, Kim. And they're saying, yeah, that's great, Kim. Let me, let's, let's, that sounds like a magical, wonderful place where I can just say, I'm going to start, you know, I'm going to shoot luxury weddings and I'm going to charge 
$20,000 a wedding instead of my current average of $3,200, right? They're yeah. kind of oversimplifying it. They're almost like, it's it's almost like a straw man argument in their own mind. They're like, why? That doesn't even make sense. So, so I need to help. I want to help them. I want to help get them kind of across the river, if you will. If you're on one side of the river with your $50,000, $60,000 designer client that you've helped move from $6,000 up to that point, you're on the you're on the one side of the river with them hanging out and you're drinking mimosas and uh, and you're just like liking stuff on Instagram. And then you've got the client, or you've got this photographer that I'm channeling right now who's on the other side of the river and they're sitting here wallowing in their $3,200 kind of average. What are some of these steps that we need to get clear with to kind of get them across the river? Because that chasm feels infinite. Yes. It feels so far away. So the, the first question is to ask yourself, is that really the market you want to work with? Because they they are different markets. And you might be doing a $3,200 wedding package, but you might be really happy working with that clientele. And then that leads into the second question, which I'm going to get into after, which is coming up with more of the specific pricing. But let's assume that the person you're channeling says, no, I really want to you know, work with more expensive weddings. I, I want to be able to increase my rates. I want to get into this new niche market. The one thing you definitely have to do is you have to make sure that your branding is matching what it is you're selling. So you can't just say, well, right now my wedding package is $3,200 and I'm just going to start charging 20 by changing the price on my website. It doesn't work that way. You have to realize, you know, is my, does my brand match these rates? Am I putting out my best work? Does, does my website look amazing that it could qualify as a luxury wedding photographer? Does um, my process and how I work with people reflect that? So if you have people who are interested in your services, how are they contacting you? Is there a formal process? Are you reaching out to them on the phone and setting up appointments and meetings? Are you presenting the package really well when you're presenting it? So there's a difference between getting on the phone with somebody and saying, yeah, I got a wedding package. You're going to get so many XYZ pictures. It's 3,200 bucks. I hope that, what do you think? Like you have to, you have to have a really good process to maybe have a portfolio that you present to people and say, oh, you know, this is this beautiful little binder that you had made. It shows all of your work. You're sitting down with them. You're giving them options. You're showing them, you know, the luxury that that you can provide for them. So making sure that everything that you're putting out there is on brand, in sync, and reflects the new prices. So I think that's one thing. I mm-hmm. think I think the other is making sure that you're spending time in that space. So if you want to start doing you know, becoming a luxury wedding photographer, then you need to make sure that your network is also in that space, whether you're um, the venues, the caterers, the planners, the florists, everybody that you're networking with is in that space of doing luxury weddings. And that way you're, you're in the space, you're getting the referrals and you're really boosting your business based on leveraging your network. Nice. Yeah, and that's easy to say. <laughs> Each of those things is like is is so is so nuanced and is and is um is a load in itself, right? This is why um you know uh change is a part of our strategy is because it's just like constantly pursuing and and learning 
all of this stuff? You know, like how would you, do you have any recommendations for, for, for someone who's, you know, they're, they're interested in trying to learn more about, um, this process really as it relates to brand, right? Kind of positioning, positioning their brand, positioning their process, their client experience in such a way that that connects better to their to their um, to their ideal market, right? Their ideal client. Do you have any recommendations for um, for resources uh, for for kind of like diving into some of that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that this might sound cliche, but this really is. I think the right way to go is you have to do some research online and find competitors. They might not be in your area. They could be anywhere, but find people who do what you do and do it well and you admire them. And if you look at how are they doing things, so, you know, if, if we go with this wedding photographer and you start Googling, you know, wedding photographer in California, wedding photographer in New York, and you, or, or even type, use the word, if we're going with this example, luxury photographer, you know, start looking through some people's websites and seeing well, what do they look like? And you're going to see that they have a certain way of doing things. And you'll get ideas about things that you would never think of because many of us are very siloed. And it's hard to generate new ideas when we don't have new information coming in from others. So it could be, for example, I have um, I have another client who sells, again, in the wedding industry, has a wedding dress studio, a, a bridal boutique. And she has a very unique business model where she only meets with one bride at a time. So you can't just go in and shop gowns. You just, you have to set up an appointment, you meet with her, she gives you 90 minutes and she charges a styling fee. So if you want to come in and look at these dresses, you have to pay a fee just for the appointment. This is not something that a lot of bridal shops do. But she got this idea by doing research and saying, this is the kind of shop I want to run. This is the kind of business I want to run. I'm going to look for other people that do this. She networked, found other people both online and through just the, the wedding industry. And she saw other people doing this. And she said, well, if they can do it. If this person in Minnesota can do it, if this person in Florida can do it, why can't I do it? And then she starts getting ideas from how they're doing it and starts implementing that into her business. So I think that's really key is find the people that you admire, that you respect, you like their work and and try to figure out what they're doing differently and then make it your own and, and get some ideas from that. Look, we're going to stay on theme here and keep talking about giving you guys solutions for all the things that are terrible to do. Um, so you guys remember when you started your small business, right? Like it was no small fee. Uh, you're spending uh, late nights, early mornings, the occasional all-nighter. Bottom line, uh, ever since then, you've been insanely busy, right? And so one of the biggest challenges uh, is invoicing and it's accounting, Right. Let's make things a little bit easier in 2019. Our friends at FreshBooks have a solution. FreshBooks, this is invoicing and accounting software designed specifically for you as small business owners. It's simple, it's intuitive, and it keeps you way more organized than the dusty shoebox filled with crumpled receipts. You can create and send professional-looking invoices in 30 seconds. And then the best part is uh, get them paid two times faster with automated online payments. 
Uh, I love that part. File expenses even quicker. Uh, keep them perfectly organized for tax time. And the best part is this. Like, as your business continues to grow, which it will in 2019, let's be honest, you're going to always have the tools that you need when you need them without ever having to like figure out or learn all this accounting shenanigans, right? So you guys... 24 million people are using FreshBooks. Try it out for 30 days free. There's no credit card required. There's no catch. Uh, go to freshbooks.com forward slash photography, freshbooks.com forward slash photography, and then enter six figure photography in the section where asked, how did you hear about FreshBooks, right? Make sure you get that part down. When it asks, how did you hear about FreshBooks and your six figure photography, you're going to get your first 30 days free. I'm excited for you guys to check out FreshBooks. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah. And I love what you're even talking about right now, because, you know, it's also looking outside of your industry, but uh, to to the same client, right? So maybe it's not, we're not looking just at photographers, but maybe we're identifying who our ideal client is and then where else are they having an experienced in, in a buying process, right? And and maybe what is that other industry doing, right? Maybe it's a car dealership. What is that car dealership doing at Tesla? What's that car dealership doing, you know, at, at, at Mercedes? And and maybe there's something to be learned from there. Um, and uh, I, I would suggest that, no, they're not even suggest. It's just a fact that the the greatest advances in my business have all been insights gained outside of the photography industry. Most even being outside of the creative industry. There's still a lot of crossover, maybe between like graphic designers, uh, kind of uh, film houses, production companies, that kind of stuff, firms. Um, but a lot of it is just like outside of that in, entirely. Yeah. Um, and a, so that, yeah, that'd be a fascinating thing to start diving into. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and I ran into this as well with the client that sells the wedding dresses is you have so many places, as I mentioned, that don't, would never even think what charge a styling fee just to come into my shop and look at dresses who does that. And I was able to flip this around with her when, when we were talking about this and I said, well, what about a hairdresser? You know, a hairdresser, a lot of, a lot of, uh, salons around uh, where I live, they will actually take your credit card when you make the appointment because they don't want people canceling and then they can't rebook and then they're out the money. So they're start, I, I've seen some of these places that now will do these policies where if you book a hair appointment, they're taking your credit card. And if you don't show up or if you cancel within 48 hours, they're going to charge you a fee. It might be a small fee. It might be a big fee. And when I mentioned this to her, she said, oh, yeah, that's true. And I, and just like you're saying, you can kind of look at other industries that may not be the same but similar, and you would be amazed at the different policies and things that people implement that work. And they do these things to protect their income because if you are in a business where people can cancel on you all the time, if everybody just cancels, you're never going to make any money and you're going to have to close. Yeah. And and the best of both worlds is when it can protect your income, but also uh, ultimately serve the client. You know, even as we're talking about this, uh, I just joined a gym that has uh, a personal. Uh, I have a personal trainer, right? And the, and the deal with this though is that if you don't show up, you get billed. Yeah. They fine you. Like it's a, you. You actually get fined for not doing this. And so this is, does two things. It protects their time. It protects what they're up to. But it also causes me 
to, to hold my commitments, the things that I say that I want out of life that I'm actually going to follow through. And it's, and it's also the best thing for me. I'm like, I'm not even mad when I, when I end up having to cancel, I'm mad at myself that I'm like, man, I did like, you know what I mean? It's like, like, it's also implemented for me. Um, really is this is really fascinating stuff. I, w- I want to get specific now. So, um, uh, my guess is that most photographers, you know, there's different niches within photography, right, Kim? So we've got the, the commercial photographers out there. We get the fine artists, maybe some landscape photographers producing more print-based stuff, galleries. Uh, we've got our portrait photographers um, doing maybe more um, volume in regards to like seniors and babies and families. And then we've got our our fantastic uh, frontline wedding photographers who are, who are pouring away our weekends, uh, <laughs> at 12 hours a day, you know? So, uh, but there's different pricing kind of strategies for all these, these groups. Yes. And my guess is that if you're, let's say that you are that portrait photographer, my guess is that, um, and I could be wrong on this, right? So give me a little grace, but if you're listening and you're a portrait photographer, you've probably got that one way that you've learned about pricing your service, that kind of one way that maybe you were first introduced to, or that seems to be the industry standard way of doing it. And, and I'm going to challenge you right now that just because it may be the standard way, or maybe the first way that you learned that it might not be the way that will maximize your revenue. Maybe, just maybe, that there may be another way to do it. Same thing with a wedding photographer. Wedding photographers, if you're used to, you've got this one way of doing it that we've learned and the way that's worked for you, potentially, just maybe in this conversation, you'll discover a new way that maybe is actually very counter-industry. Okay, and I, listen, I don't know for sure, Kim. I'm just playing this out there. Uh, but I, But I am curious about kind of different payment models that exist uh, within creative spaces or even with uh, outside of the creative spaces um, that you think, you know, could really work uh, strongest for photographers. And maybe it's even helpful to kind of lay out some of the different ways to go about billing. Absolutely. And I do work with photographers as well. So I can very easily speak specifically to the photography business. I think first off, when it comes to the different pricing models, you have to first recognize, which you'll already know, but it's just making the statement and saying, yes, this is it. Are you a B2B photography business or are you a B2C photography business? And I think Can you that, explain those terms real quick, just yes. for anyone who's listening who may not know, you know, we're talking about M&Ms and B2Bs. Right. So, um, Exactly. So a B2B means that you are a business, which you are, you're in business, and you're selling to other businesses. So an example of that, which I've seen a lot more of lately, are brand photographers. So if you're a brand photographer and you're doing branding packages for people like me um, who are online, we're speaking, we're writing books, we need really good photographs of us taken for our website, for our speaking gigs, all of that, we hire branding photographers. So they are a business and they are selling to me, which is also a business. Or you have the portrait photographer who is a B2C, a business to consumer. So you're not selling to other businesses, you're selling to consumers. And the reason why this distinction is important, and this also goes back to um, niching down, is 
when you're a small business, you really have to maximize your marketing efforts because we don't have endless bank accounts for marketing dollars. So we have to be really efficient and effective with our marketing. And when you are running a business where you are trying to attract both businesses and consumers, it becomes very time and financially costly to you as a small business owner. So I would really suggest that if you're in the photography business, that you make the decision of I'm going to work with businesses and I'm going to market to them, or I'm going to work with consumers and I'm going to work with them. So that's just kind of almost a side note, but it, but it has to do with this pricing is decide which group you're going to work with and stick with it. Don't don't be the photographer who's like, well, this weekend I'm doing a wedding and next week I'm I'm doing um, commercial photography and the weekend after that I'm doing somebody's branding portfolio because it just puts you all over the place. And this goes back to kind of where we started with the conversation of like focusing up, niching down, identifying where you're going to go all in it. Exactly. And then this relates to the pricing because consumers pay different prices than businesses. They have a different relationship with money. It's, it's really different. So if you can you explain are, it, can you, can you expand? Yeah, uh, ex, absolutely. Expound upon, is that the right word? Listeners expound upon that? Expand upon that? Expand expound upon that, yes. sounds like a fancier word of, uh, uh, of expand, but absolutely. So here's an example for you. Imagine you are a consumer and you live in a house and you have a mortgage or a rent that you pay every month. Maybe the, the rent on that house or the mortgage on that house is $2,000 a month. So you say, okay, well, this is what I expect. This is my mortgage. This is my rent. It's $2,000 a month. The minute you become a business and rather than living in a house, you are now leasing commercial space in a retail shop. That same amount of square footage is now going to cost you $15,000 a month or $10,000 a month. And you know, as a business that your expenses are more expensive. So hopefully you're with me, you get kind of the, the difference there. And the reason why that matters is because if you're selling to consumers, they're going to have a certain comparison of their money compared to a business that's going to be used to spending a lot more for some of the same things. An example of this would be if you're a portrait photographer and let's say that your market is um, families, senior portraits, you know, things like that. You're dealing with a consumer budget where they might, you're really looking at their disposable income. So they may say, well, you know, I'd like to get my, my teenagers, um, high school portraits done. I'm willing to spend $500. And all of these numbers I use, they're just for example purposes, but, sure, but sure. they might say, well, that's, that's what my budget is. But if you're a branding photographer and you're going to sell to me a branding package and you're going to take my photos from my website and from my social media shares and everything else, I might be willing to spend $3,000. So when you come up with your pricing, you have to really understand this and understand which, which way you, you know, who you're really selling to. And that's going to determine one thing. Now to go to the second piece of your question, which is, well, what are the different packages? What are different ways that, that I could do this? I've seen, a, I've seen a lot of different ways to do this. I've seen different ways work. So I think it depends on maybe what you're comfortable with and what's going to work for you. But here's an example. I have seen some photographers have a base price where they say, okay, I'm going to do a portrait session 
It's going to be an hour and a half long. I'm going to charge $500 for this session and they're going to get three images and nothing else. And if they want more, then they can buy an extra 10 images and that'll be an extra $500. Or if they want an extra 20, it's going to be this. If they want it on a CD, um, the way it used to be, or now on um, just, you know, a digital copy, that's going to be another price. So there's that model where you're kind of going in with the the lower price and then selling them on a bunch of add-ons. Mm-hmm. Craft sales, sales bundles. Yeah. So for some people that works because their market may be skeptical to spend a lot of money, especially if they've never worked with them before, or maybe if you are dealing with the consumer market and they, they have a certain budget that they're working with, um, it might be easier to get them in the door with the, with the base price and then sell them on all of the add-ons. So somebody coming in for a $500 session could turn into a $3,000 client if they buy the photo album and they buy this and they buy that. I've also seen people do something that's very much the opposite and say, no, I'm going to offer three packages. And that's what I'm going to, these three packages. And the first package is going to be $2,000. They're going to get a two hour session. They're going to get um, two different locations. They're going to get 25 different images. They're going to get this. And they kind of throw more in there. And then the second package might have even more add-ons. And then the third one has more. And by doing it this way, you kind of get yourself out of the mode of, oh, well, I'm going to just charge 500 and hope, cross my fingers, that I can upsell them. Instead, you're just going into it where, yeah, package number one is $2,500. Mm-hmm. So those are those are two that I have seen work well. Are you able to put like you know a, a word to that? Like like even the initial one, I was imagining you maybe that's like the upsell pricing model. It's like you kind of come in with a base, like almost a more or less a loss leader. Like you come with a lower price and then you upsell as the client relationship continues. This kind of other one, and unless there's another word for it, is there? Do you have any other kind of verbiage around these type of strategies? Um, I think the the first that's a good question. I've really given it, given the many names. You did no no bad. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's really just uh, um, looking at do you want do you want your business to be an an add on where you're always upselling or do you want to just have packages? I, I, I don't know. Like back end, like the first one sounds like it's like a back end. It's like you know they you pay a smaller fee and then you make your money in the back end. Where the other one is kind of like a front end, like it's all up front. Yeah. You're going to pay a, hard, a higher price point, but you're going to make your profit all up front. Is that, is that a good way to view it too? Yeah, you can look at it that way. And, and, you know, I can even expand on this a little bit as well, because even with the packages, you could vary them in a way that you still have, rather than having a base price, like the first one, you're having a base package. And then the second one is a little bit got, you know, has some more features to it. And then the top one has all of the features. And so you're still upselling in a way, because what you could do is bring somebody in on the base package and let's say it's $2,500 and you get them in and that's what they're interested in. And then they say, oh, but you know, I'd really like a hairstylist and a makeup artist. And, and oh, well then maybe you want to look at our second package, which happens to include that. And so there is still upselling that goes on in both of them. It's really just where is the the entry point that you're bringing people in? Sure. What about doing things completely a la carte, right? Almost like, so it's it's by the hour that they could choose to hire, you know, every hour is going to be X amount if they want to add on, you know, rights to the digital images that they want to add on an album, if they'd like to add an engagement session. What are your thoughts on and going completely a la carte? Good question. 
I do not love that idea. Tell um, me why. I am not a fan of the a la carte. And I'm certainly not a fan of anything that's really associated too much with your time. Because when you start billing based on time, at least as you're communicating to your client, it becomes too much of a sticking point because everybody has different ideas in their mind of how much your hour is worth. So um, when you when you get into that place, you might in your head, and I can actually talk about this more in a moment about how you really calculate these numbers, but let's just say that you've run these calculations and you've discovered that in order for you to meet your revenue goals every year, you need to be billing your clients $200 an hour. Now, if you turn around and tell your clients that your billing rate is $200 an hour, they might say, oh, that's a lot of money. I don't know if I would pay that for a photographer. And they get stuck in that hour um, place, that mindset. Whereas instead, if you didn't do that, and instead you said to yourself, okay, I'm going to do this package. It's going to take me five hours. Therefore, I need to charge $1,000 for this. And you went to the client and you said, oh, I'll give you this package. It's $1,000. They're now not thinking about your time versus money. They're thinking, oh, I'm getting this package. It includes 10 photos. It includes this. It includes that. And it's for the, the total price of $1,000. I think that that is much easier to sell. I think that it is in the end going to bring you more money and make you more profitable. And I think it's also easier to manage from a bookkeeping perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've been doing a lot of research in regards to this kind of, uh, essentially it's like this value-based pricing structure of not charging by the hour and and instead kind of charging by either maybe it's a flat rate, like a flat price, yeah. or it's charging by the value that the client will receive, which is far easier for B2B, right? Because there's some pretty tangible uh, uh, value. There's like numeric quantifiable results. It gets a little trickier with, with um, charging based on the value that the client will receive when we're talking B2C, where it's this is maybe it's, it's a newborn portrait photograph or it's a wedding. Do you have any thoughts on assessing the value that a client would receive within the B2C space? Yes, that, uh, excellent point, by the way, because you're right. If it's something in the, in the B2B space, it's, oh, we could just compare dollars to dollars, right? This is an investment. But for- maybe It might be helpful to rewind and just kind of I, I may have gotten ahead. I'm sorry. I'm a, again, I'm channeling. I have this weird sixth sense, Kim, that I channel the photographer who's listening. <laughs> that that my statement just went over some people's heads, and I just got that little that little the spidey sense. So it may be helpful just to rewind for a hot second and explain value pricing just from a very like a one sentence kind of idea behind it. Absolutely, because um, it may have been a little too quick. Do you do you want to take that? Yes, I could take that because I would I would use myself as an example, right? I'm a business strategist, and I focus on helping my clients become more profitable. So if I go to a client, a new client, and I say to them, "Okay, well, you know, if you want to work with me, and it's gonna, you know, for this plan that we're putting together, it's five thousand dollars," but then they turn around, they hire me, and they make an extra fifty thousand dollars because they've worked with me. I was clearly a good investment because they spent 5000 with me but I helped them make 50 so that's that's great right that's a value added um as you're saying that that's a va value added service it's like a quantifiable numeric financial value to them yes exactly and as you were saying um in your question where well if it's newborn 
portraits, they, you know, they're not there to make more money. That's not what they're coming to you for. So how do you actually put that into value? I think the value piece of this comes when you're having, and I hate to say the sales conversation, but that is really when it comes because, you know, I'm a mother. I, I have photographs of my kids when they were newborns. And as a mother, some of that stuff, it's sort of priceless. I mean, it's, you, you grow up, most of my kids now are teenagers. So when I look back at these pictures, like, oh, look at my baby, look at when they were three months old. I, you know, like, this is a memory that I'm going to have tangible in this portrait, in this photograph forever. And so I think that when you're meeting with these potential clients and they're coming to you saying, oh, you know, I, I want to get my newborn photos done. You have to talk to that. Don't just sit there and say, well, you're going to get 10 images. You'll have an hour and a half with me, blah, blah, blah. They, that's not what they're looking for. They want to know that you're going to give them something that is going to be a keepsake, that, that they're going to have wonderful memories of 20 years from now when they look back at those photographs when they're now sending their kids off to college. That's the stuff you need to talk about in that conversation and add your creativity in there to, to listen to them and what they're looking for and to say, oh, you know, it would be amazing. We could do this session and we'll have some portraits here and we'll have some photographs there and we'll create this album for you and we can do it based on, you know, and however you want to do it and give them give them this idea of, of what the vision looks like. And they're going to get so excited. They're going to say, absolutely. I want that album. I want it to look like that. I want all that stuff in there. This sounds great. And that's where the value comes in. I love it. It's cool. That's a whole podcast episode, just this conversation. And I just want to run away and just have another hour talk just solely about this little thing. Cause there's so much nuance to that. This, this is fun. Yeah. Kim, can I ask you another question? Just a, a follow-up on this. On the, We were talking a little bit about hours, right? And why kind of charging by the hour, by boiling things down to the hour, you know, it's a bit of a no-no there, that there's, there's some problems that, that can come from that. Yeah. <sighs> You know, I think as a wedding photographer, a trend in the industry that we see, are, you know, it's package-based pricing. Now, this isn't everyone. This isn't a this isn't a global truth. But I think the large standard is package-based pricing, essentially where they, you kind of have like this flat rate uh, for a certain package. But then, you know, with wedding days, you're there for a certain amount of hours on the day, and so nevertheless, hours get worked in to the package, right? So maybe you'll have an eight-hour package, and at some point you're going to have to answer that question of like, well, what would it cost if I wanted to get that package, that flat rate, and then purchase two more hours of your time? Do you have any, uh, do you have any way to, uh, any advice to go about holding that conversation with a client, negotiating those numbers, or maybe creating a strategy, uh, ahead of time that just avoids that, that question and objection altogether? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that if you stick to your packages, then you could say, well, here's the, you know that intro package. Let's say that package includes the eight hours. And they come to you and say, oh, but we really need 10. Then rather than saying, oh, well, I'll just charge you an extra for the two hours, you could say, okay, well, then it makes more sense if you go into package number two, because that one includes 12 hours, up to 12 hours. So you could do it that way where you can wrap this in to your two or three different packages and just move them into the next one. It might make it easier for everybody. I, I think that would be my suggestion. Can what we role play this? Absolutely. Kim, <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. I can't, I've never done role playing in the middle of a podcast. 
because I'm I'm immediately thinking of the objection that the client would have, right? So let's say that was your 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 suggestion, and I said, well, Kim, yeah, I see what you're saying, but you know, we really just need you know two more hours. And to be honest, that next package up that's got twelve hours, it has a bunch of stuff that we are not really interested in. It includes the extra engagement shoot, maybe some sort of photo booth thing, and and I don't think I really need that. I just need what's in the eight hour package, but I'd like to add on two more hours, right? Is that something that we can do? Well, so I would ask you, and of course I'm not a photographer, but I'm going to, I'm going to role play here. I would ask you, um, what do you think you need the extra two hours for? Yeah, great question. So I would love to have some of the getting ready shots in the morning. And yet I still would love to be able to get some of like the wild, ridiculous dance floor stuff. Like my friends, they are going to turn into a drunken mess. And some people are embarrassed by that, but I love it and I want it documented. Great. Okay. So here's, here's what I'm thinking is you could still go into this next package. And yes, it does include some things that you might not use, but it's going to allow you to have some flexibility if anything else comes up. So right now you're thinking, well, I want some of these, you know, be- before shots and I want some of the dance floor shots. Some other things might come up and it's going to be included in this package. So if you have it, we, we don't have to worry about it. It's there. Yeah. And I guess, you know, there are, there's a lot of variability yes. on wedding days. That's um, true. Is there anything you could do though, if, if I want to take out, you know, like it has this engagement session in that next package up that I just don't need. Is, is there anything we can do to take that out? That's a good question. And I think, um, and I'm, I'm going to go out of my role playing for a minute. Sorry, this is, I know. I'm like, <laughs> I, I was like, wow, she said, yes, I'm going to put her on the spot. Oh my goodness. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> well, no, you know, the funny thing is there, there are variables. And one of the things that matters is, well, what's the difference between these packages? Yeah. So exactly. if, you know, are we going from a $5,000 to a $10,000 package or are we going from a 5000 to a $7,500 package? Because that's going to also make a difference because let's say there's not that much of a price difference between these. You could, I could say, if I go back to role playing of, well, if I charged you for the additional two hours at my hourly rate, it's going to wind up costing you more than if you just bought the second package. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so I could go down that route if the um, if the pricing were in that were in that place. But I would also add that it's important if you suspect that you're going to get these types of issues. If this is a norm for your industry, where you say I'm going to give you eight and somebody else is going to ask you ten, and that's a pretty common occurrence, then I would suggest that you create that package at ten hours instead of eight. Don't create a freight and then wind up having to have everybody have this conversation with you. The the other thing is maybe having it so that these packages, um, they don't have, they're not overly stuffed. So you won't have the person coming back saying, oh, well, it includes this and it includes that. And I, and I don't want any of that stuff. So maybe the, the difference in these packages isn't that great so that you don't have to have these conversations because at the, the end of the day, you don't want to be negotiating all of the time with your clients. It's stressful. It's a headache. It's a waste of everybody's time. And you don't want to have to convince people of the extra two hours. You, you just don't, you know? Um, I think that it's also important to focus more on the results and what they're going to get from this rather than this sort of nitty gritty of, well, it's eight hours, it's this, it's that. Um, I mean, you obviously have to go over that stuff, but I think it's focusing more on the on the results. 
the results. Yeah. Yeah. I have just decided that I want to just have an entirely separate podcast dedicated to just role playing. <laughs> I think that would be so fun just to like riff with someone on this and then to work it out together and just like to wrestle with it, you know, like, okay, now let's switch and Kim, you push it on me and then, then I'll be the, I'll be the photographer and you be the client. I think that'd be so fun. Yeah, this has been this has been awesome, girl. Like I absolutely have enjoyed having this conversation. You've opened up so many new ideas uh, and hopefully gotten um, you know the listeners' minds just engaged with this this conversation about pricing and strategy uh, behind uh, behind creating and maximizing the revenue. Uh, and, and I hope it just continues as as the week goes on for them that they that maybe this gives them a little nugget and they'll start researching even more and more. And let's say that they want to research you, Kim. Where can they find you online? Absolutely. So you could go to my website, which is kdawsonco.com, kdawsonco.com. And uh, you could also go to the sassystrategist.com. And that is my my handle on all social media is sassystrategist. And um, what I can tell you is if you're interested, I actually have a free pricing template on my website. So you can opt in and download it and it will, it, it's about three pages long and you can run all of the calculations to figure out what your billable hourly rate should be. And so I highly suggest if you want a little bit help of help with your pricing, download that template. And, you know, if you have any questions about it, of course, please reach out to me. I'm happy to help. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, that's where I am. kdawsonco.com. Love it. Thank you so much, Kim, for coming on here uh, and talking with me. Yeah. Thank you for having me on the show. This has been great. I really appreciate it, Ben. Yes. Podcast listeners, thank you for dialing in today. I really appreciate this. This is this is such rich content. This is getting my brain cooking here. I'd love to hear from you guys as you've listened to this. Well, you know, how are you pricing your clients? How are you, how are you billing? How are you kind of strategizing this approach? Are you doing by the hour? Are you doing kind of this kind of front end package-based systems? Are you doing the back end approach with upsells and cross sells? A lot of the IPS model. Um, is there anybody out there who is successfully navigating completely a la carte? I know there are a few photographers who are kind of spearheading the industry that are kind of of pushing that that all the cart kind of approach. I'd love to hear from you. Do you guys want to shoot me a DM? That would mean the world. Uh, on Instagram, at jbenhartley, the letter J, jbenhartley on Instagram. Let me know how you're pricing. Let me know what's working for you, what's not working for you. I would love to hear from you guys. Uh, again, thank you so much for tuning in, for listening. I can't wait to chat with you guys again on the next episode of the Six Figure Photography Podcast. Until then, bye now. <laughs>